set, go! Another U game is in the books. There's Keithy, he's in, touchdown! And they flood the zone for London. Drake London, touchdown! Hello, how do you do? Covey in motion, towards the corner, caught! That's caught, takes touchdown! Money gets it on the money. They need inches for a first down. That's the shot I'm talking about. There it is. Over the middle. It's caught. Touchdown. Devon Valet. And Thomas remains the setback. Now he runs with intentionality. Look out. Tavion. Touch him all. Picking him up and putting him down. Chris Curry's coming to the game now. Wow. Rising will just take it himself. Look at him go. in there. Layfake, they go that way. Oh, wide open. It's wide open a touchdown. Kincaid. The clock is at zero, and it's time to break down today's game. This is your Ute Post Game Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Olson, Frank Dolce, 97.5, 12 into the zone and the zone sports network. Got a little bit of feedback in my ear, Alex. If you can straighten that out, I'd appreciate it. Big victory for the University of Utah. Obviously going up a very against against a very good USC team. Sorry, Alex, the reverb's still in my ear. And finding a way to get a win in the Coliseum for the first time since was it 2019? 1916. 1916 would be the exact date. 1916, the last time Utah was able to get a win. Post game. Frank, what'd you think of this one? Well, it it was a terrific win. It's a fantastic effort. And I wouldn't have drawn it up that way. I mean, Utah did things tonight that we just haven't seen them do in four previous games, and I, I had no expectation that they would get it fi- figured out in the off week and then be able to to execute that against USC. And I'm talking specifically about an explosive passing game and uh, Cam Rising, who gets his second complete game start to finish looked fantastic he did he looked very good in this game and his stats were very good in this game i was just going through it cam rising in this game was able to go 22 of 28 for 306 yards three touchdowns and frank in this game it all starts with that protection up front it was different and it really changed actually when bam olasini came in to the left tackle spot after Kump went down with that injury, he came in and the entire protection changed. And with the change of that protection, the full offense showed better. From the run game to the wideouts to Cam rising, his presence in the pocket, his throws, his accuracy, everything changed when that offensive line started protecting. You're exactly right, Hans. This is an offensive line that 
previous to this game when when they took a step backwards it was an onslaught on the quarterback quarterbacks didn't have time to to maneuver didn't have time to step up into the pocket didn't have time to make reads and and throw the ball accurately downfield and the offensive line completely changed cam rising finally had time to operate behind the line of scrimmage to make his reads, to find his people downfield, and, and to be able to step into and make accurate throws to receivers, by the way, who found separation against a very talented USC defensive backfield. So you're exactly right. Credit where credit is due. We said before the game, if Utah was able to get something done on the offensive side, it was going to start up front, and that is exactly where it started. Frank, I want you to take me into Tavian Thomas's performance in this game. How about Tavian Thomas? I mean, the ball security, you could tell that he, that was that was first and foremost. That was the priority. It was to secure the football. Anytime he got any, any sort of contact, the second hand went over the ball to protect it. And, and by the way, you could see USC defenders scraping and knifing at the ball every time Thomas touched it. But he was fantastic. He gives a different burst from the offensive backfield. You said it earlier this week that he was, in your estimation, the most talented running back on the Utah roster. And I think he proved that tonight. 16 carries, 113 yards, and a touchdown for Tavian Thomas. He was fantastic and did so many things well. But, Frank, I want you to go into – I thought that the second half of this game was one of the better – games we've seen Andy Ludwig call. I know when the offensive line's blocking and things are going well, your offensive coordinator just looks better. He looks more intelligent, and the play calls look better. But I, I, I don't know if you saw any of the videos that I tweeted out. I tweeted out maybe four or five different blocking schemes where they went 13 personnel, they went 12 personnel, they were connecting tight ends. They were doing a lot of loop blocking, which basically just means one tight end on the inside goes outside they bring the two tight ends from the outside back underneath the tight end and those are essential lead blockers and that's what you saw in the quarterback keep when Cameron Rising went for the touchdown and then you saw another touchdown a a huge run by Tavian Thomas a 43 yard touchdown by Tavian Thomas basically out of the same personnel and same concepts the full blocking underneath by those tight ends those tight ends blocked their butts off tonight the tight ends were fantastic, as expected. They've, they've always been a highlight of this offense. The three guys, Fotheringham, Keithy, Dalton, all performed exceedingly well. The play calling, now we've been, I, I mean, I've been a big fan of Andy Ludwig. The, these first four games, you and I have talked, uh, we've mentioned it on air, that we were concerned about what was happening with the play calling. It looked like there was something missing. He, whatever he did tonight was right. That He kept USC off balance. He, he ran the ball effectively. He was able to call that running game effectively. He mixed it up. There was a, there was a play down on the goal line. I know you remember this. Put the fullback in the, in the field. I think it was Ludwig, the fullback. They, they start to kind of motion him out. You're just certain that Utah is going to go power run game and try and punch it into the end zone it's a fake 
Dalton is wide open for the last touchdown of the game. I mean, yeah. that was just – it was very, very creative uh, and, and a terrific, well-executed game plan by Andy Ludwig. Well, and how nice was it to finally see that H-back sweep with Brant Keithy? Keithy. We've been waiting for it yeah. and waiting for it, and you and I have called for it. And we've now seen it one time in 2021, but you go one for one on touchdowns on that play. You know, that that play produced many touchdowns in 2019, many first downs in third and six, third and four situations. And we finally got to see that H-back sweep. And for those of you that don't know what play that is, that's where Keithy is lined up in the stack tight end position behind the offensive tackle. He just comes across in motion, ball snapped as he hits quarterback depth. Quarterback turns, gives it to Keithy. You've got a twins set out to the outside. You've got a topside receiver who just blocks most dangerous, and then your slot receiver cuts down on the outside linebacker, tries to cut him off, and they just sweep over. That's it. And that thing finds the end zone, and it makes Andy Ludwig look brilliant. It makes Keithy happy. It makes the fans happy. It took way too long for that play to be called, Frank. Don't you think they should run that play 95% of the time yeah. next week? Like, well, if you run 100 plays, run that 95 95 Well, I'll tell you what. I, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't fault him for doing that. It's so successful. But he just picked the exact right time to call it and 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 break that onto the scene. So, but Keithy is a guy like Britton Covey that every time they touch the football, there's an opportunity for a big play. And and they do that time and time again. So, I I'm with you. I I would figure out a way to get Keithy the ball as often as possible. Uh, because he just he's a threat every time he touches it and 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 Britton Covey I mean I watched that guy warm up and run around on the field and you just look at him and you think he this is a guy that's you know he's just like a rah-rah guy he's not going to do much and and he just goes out and he makes plays every time mm-hmm. every time there's an opportunity to make a play so you know Utah th- th- this was a this was, like I said a terrific win for Utah they did everything right on the offensive line uh, on the offensive front, they did everything right on the offensive side, and that was a huge area of concern for for Utah fans coming into this one. And and Utah kind of whatever they did, they got it done tonight. Frank was it a little weird seeing Jaron Kump go out, watching Bama Lucini come in, and all of a sudden USC's pressure squashed. It, it can't be that what? simple. I I did do a quick review of a pass off between Bama Lucini and I. I I can't remember. I think it was Bills that was playing the guard spot. But just a beautiful pass off and a quick pocket. And then it was a deep ball completion. And you and I were texting back and forth like he completed a ball, like a deep ball. It actually happened, but it came off that protection. It seems like the protection got a lot better, like midway through the second quarter. Five minutes left in the second quarter, protection just tightened up. Yeah, something something happened there. And uh, I, I don't know, maybe maybe it was the change at that position with Bam coming into the football game. He certainly looked like he was ready to play, and, and it, it felt like the, the line was solidified. And it wasn't bad before he came in. Maybe it just got a little bit better when, when he came in. And, and maybe there was just a little more, more focus when, when he came in because he had to replace a guy. So I think there's lots of things to think about. Whatever it was... It, the, the, the protection up front 
I mean, if Utah so, – so prior to this game, I thought, man, if Utah can get to 500 this year, that, that might be a successful year. This team is just reeling. But after the performance tonight, all of a sudden you, re-eval- you, you reevaluate and your expectations yeah. change because if Utah can be that up front week in and week out, well, then all of a sudden they're going to be a pretty tough team to beat. Yep. Yep. That's kind of what I'm feeling here, Frank. Um, you know, you talked about it. I thought you had it right on the head in the pregame when you were talking about what you can expect from this team after going through what they've gone through, what you can expect is for them to to really unify and come out and put their heart and soul and effort into this game. You know, maybe we could see concentration issues where you've got mental errors. Maybe we could see big mental errors or we could see poor coaching or we could see some type of focus or concentration issue. But you said it when you said... I can expect these guys to come out and pour their heart onto the field for for so many people, so many people that are hurting and that are watching. Because you know the Ty Jordan family's watching. You know the Aaron Lowe family's watching. You know how many people out there watching and are caring about this game. And at the very least, you could give 100% in this game. And you saw it all across the board. You saw it from Mika Tafua. In multiple sacks, you saw it from Andrew Mateafa in some fantastic protections. You saw it from Carini, a huge pressure and then a big-time breakup, a pass breakup on a third and seven to start this game. You saw it from Bam Olsini when he came in. You saw it from Tavian Thomas in his effort. You saw it from Cam Rising when he broke multiple tackles for a touchdown. You saw it in Vontae Davis with that huge interception. You saw it in Dalton Kincaid in everything that Dalton Kincaid, Cole Fotheringham, and Brent Keithy did in blocking. They blocked with with everything they had. And that's the only way you come to a 42-26 to win over USC is if everybody's on the same page putting that kind of heart and that kind of effort into this game. So, Frank, what I would ask is, in your experience, do you believe that this is something that could persist? Do you believe that this is something that this team could keep up and we could see this type of performance moving through the remainder of their Pac-12 schedule? Because everything they want, the conference championship, Pac-12 championship, the, the division championships, all in front of them. Everything they want is out in front of them. Can they sustain this type of productivity and effort after a game like this? I think football teams, teams in general, sometimes they need to figure out how to win. And this is a team that didn't, I, I don't think they understood the formula prior to tonight. And, and so what you're talking about, like the supreme effort on every play, the mental attitude, the mental toughness they took into this football game, um, the, the, the constant the continuous pressure throughout the game, the no let up. I mean, it's it's hard to win a football game. And and there's lots of things that, that go into it. And and the things that you're talking about, the things that I'm talking about, sometimes you have to figure that out. And that's the winning formula. So 
like I was saying before, prior to this game, if Utah goes 500 on the season, I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe that's what this team is. But based on the effort and the execution that we, the excitement, the focus that we saw tonight, maybe we 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 can raise our expectations about this football team. I just believe now, if they play with the same passion the same execution, the same focus that they played tonight, they are going to be very difficult to beat. Feel free to call us, 855-340-9663. Jump on the Zone phone, hang out with Frank and I. If you got some questions or thoughts you want to throw in on this game, feel free to do it. This is your Utah postgame show, so call us, 855-340-9663. We'll take those phone calls. Any questions you've got, we'll try to answer them the best we can. Any thoughts that you want to get out there in regards to this game and this team, feel free to do it. That's 855-340-9663. Our Utah insider Trevor Allen is at the Coliseum. We're going to have Kyle Whittingham sound. You'll hear from Kyle. You'll hear from some of these players that were out on the field for Utah tonight, and you'll get a feel for what they think coming out of this win. I'm sure it's emotional for them. Uh, I got to imagine, Frank, you've known Kyle for a lot of years, and you and I were talking off air about how Kyle is really wearing the emotions of these last few months, and you could see it on him. How do you think he feels in the locker room with his team right now in the Coliseum? (laughs) He's got to feel some relief, uh, some relief and some amount of pride for the, the way that his team responded to this 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 craziness that they faced I mean ever ever since and everybody's going through a little bit of it with the pandemic and all this craziness that we're dealing with right now and and especially you know how some of these universities and teams are, are managing it and making it so very difficult to you know to to kind of work through it uh, and and then to have the, you know the situation with Aaron Lowe and Ty Jordan. I mean, Co- Coach Whittingham is a he's a fam like he's a family guy. He he loves all these guys on his team, and it's just hard for him not to to have those emotions about it. I think you could see it. You could see it on the sideline. You could see it in his interviews. You could hear it in his voice. Like it's heavy. I think it's heavy on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. He feels like he has a responsibility to to lead this group and 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 to provide a safe space for this group. And and so, you know, when he doesn't if he doesn't feel like he's accomplishing that, that's going to weigh heavy on him. And it has been. Yeah. So, I feel like this is, you know, there's there's got to be some sense of relief and satisfaction and pride in the way that this team uh, responded tonight and and I, you know I, I just feel I feel really I don't know what the what the word is I feel I, I just have a sense of um, peace about this you know it's I, I realize it's just a football game but because of the situation with Ty Jordan and because of the situation with Aaron Lowe, I just feel like this this game was a little even a little more meaningful for all the families involved just to have that 
this team come together and and honor those guys with this effort? Man, uh, yeah, that's we can't state that enough. What a huge accomplishment for them, really to go out there through all of this and, and get that done, knowing that Monday they're going to be getting on a charter plane and heading out to that funeral in Texas. It really is a great sign for for these guys to go out there and unite and play for those families. You know, I try to put myself in the shoes. I've, I've got a daughter that's playing in college volleyball, and I, I, I hate to do it because you, you can hardly imagine it, Frank, but imagine losing one of your kids while they're at a university and – sitting back and still loving that university and obviously that family can only be anything but proud with the way utah has commemorated and memorialized their kids and you would just be in love with that university and you would miss your kid and you would know that each of those kids on that field is connected somehow to your kid Mm -hmm. and you would be watching with your gear on uh, probably with tears in your eyes as as you're watching that team that your kid invested so much time in, into and you would be watching intently and to be able to watch and see a performance like this i mean that's just raw emotion and i'm glad that they could do it for those families and i'm glad they could do it for coach whittingham i i, I think kyle whittingham really needed this i don't typically say that but i think kyle whittingham needed this he needed some type of redemption he needed some type of glory some type of something positive to shift things and getting a win against usc in la is a really big deal for the university of utah and i'm sure that everybody that was involved on that side of it is extremely pleased with it Uh, frank i want to take a really close look this was one area that we really talked about in the pregame We talked about these Utah wide receivers, and I'm just going down the numbers, and the Utah wide receivers showed up today. Now, that had something to do with the offensive line protecting and had something to do with Cam Rising throwing, not under pressure, but throwing a little bit more comfortably. You had Devon Vele with four catches for 84 yards, Britton Covey, five catches for 67 yards, Theo Howard, a catch for 42 yards, a beautiful deep ball to Theo. That was kind of the deep ball that got things started. And a catch to uh, up to Money Parks for a 12-yard touchdown. <laughs> you were moving it around those wide receivers that we talked about. We haven't seen this happen, and that is a big day. Well, you've you've sat in a lot of pockets and you've delivered a lot of routes, and I know you were watching these receivers. What specifically were you seeing that gave them a touch of success in this game? Well, first of all, it was it was uh, up front, so. Defensive backs can't hold on forever. I mean, that's just that that is just a fact. Unless you're maybe Deion Sanders. I mean, maybe there was one guy who could hold on forever. But defensive, you can't hold on forever. And so when you talk about a lack of separation, sometimes it's because the play breaks down too quickly and the and the receiver doesn't have a chance to get separation. It all kind of works together. So you have a situation now where Utah is providing the protection up front, allowing the receivers to get into and run their routes. The routes were crisp. The routes looked good. The cuts, everything was right. Cam Rising had time to throw. Receivers had time to get separation. And that's it kind of unfolded that way. But I still believe it goes to the line of scrimmage 
when when things go well at the line of scrimmage, it kind of flows throughout the rest of the team and throughout the rest of the play. And I yep. think that is a that is a really enormous piece of it. Yep. I couldn't have said it better, buddy. I think you nailed it. And and it wasn't just setting a pocket. It's the blocking schemes and those big runs we saw between Cam Rising and Tavian Thomas. Those schemes were great, and those tight ends were blocking extremely physically. And I think that Freddie Winningham deserves a little bit of credit getting those tight ends ramped up and ready to block their guts out. And I think that the offensive line did a fantastic job too. But I saw those tight ends in a lot of different blocking uh, schemes and areas lock up defenders and set walls and creases for Tavion to cut off or for Cam Rising to cut off. I I thought that they were just spectacular, and I'm going to keep mentioning them because I thought they did so many things well. Makai Bernard, his carries were limited, five carries for 18 yards. T.J. Pledger, his carries were limited, five carries for 14 yards. I I think, Frank, all along, and you correct me if I'm wrong. In fact, I'm going to hand this over to you. Do you feel like Tavian Thomas was Kyle Whittingham's target all along to be the starter? I don't think there's any question that Thomas is the most talented guy. Uh, and, and, I, and I also don't think there's any question that Coach Whittingham wanted to figure out a way to get him on the field. But it violates... The, the supreme Coach Whittingham rule for a running back, ball security. And so how do, you, you know, how do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile the most talented guy versus the guy who also puts the ball on the ground and, and the turnover is the most important stat in, in an evenly matched contest? How do you reconcile that? So... Well, I mean, the the way that he reconciled it is that he kind of sprinkled in Thomas a little bit here and a little uh-huh. bit there. He didn't get the start and gave him a carry here yep. or there and to see how he would manage it, took him out of the game, put him again in, in a pass protect, protection situation. How was he going to manage that? You know, let him sneak out of the backfield, get into a pass pattern. How's he going to manage that? It all looked good, and then it was like, okay, well, <laughs> we're going to go with Tavion. Like, that's the guy, and and you the numbers clearly don't lie. I mean, is he he's the first? Is he the first hundred yard? Ca- no, no, no. Pledger was. Yeah. So, so sixteen carries, one hundred and thirteen yards, seven point one yards per mm-hmm. carry. That's like that's Devonte Booker. That's mm-hmm. Zach Moss. Those. That's the type of running back. That's the type of running game Utah has built over the coach Winningham era and so when you don't have that you're lacking and when you do have that then you know sky's the limit 855-340-9663 to jump on the post game show let's start this thing off uh, we'll have Kyle Whittingham here shortly Michael you're up first on the Utah post game show with Frank Dolce go ahead Michael hey guys thank you so much I uh, just want to say in 1992, Frank Dolce, Mr. 316 yards, two TDs in the Copper Bowl. First bowl game I ever went to. So <laughs> glad to hear you on the radio. Uh, Thank you. Were you? How old were you? Well, about five years old back then? <laughs> uh, yes. 
is correct. <laughs> I, uh, it's the only time uh, I've been to Tucson. It's the only time I want to go to Tucson. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, uh, no, I it, it, thank you for the good memories. Uh, ball security, offensive line play, I thought was uh, so much better. And uh, I think Ludwig on the Ludwig situation, I don't know, maybe he was a little overconfident. That's hard to say about a coach, but I think, I don't know, like, I think he's figuring, I think he figured it out, obviously. Uh, and I am so excited for the Utah team for a fresh start. So I'm, I just think it's the Washington State game, it kind of left like it, it's a win, but it kind of felt like a loss. But mm -hmm. this just feels like with everything they've gone through, just a fresh start. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm actually just tweeting this out and uh, to that comment right there, Frank, where he said it, this is a fresh start. Utah is two and zero in Pac-12 play. I know it's just two and zero, but <laughs> they're undefeated in Pac-12 play. And Frank, there's got to be some interest to be drawn there for Utah fans and for this team and and for this staff, right? I mean, aren't they looking at the their conference record and feeling pretty good about things right now? Well, you know, surprisingly enough, that is an enormous thing. That is an enormous bright spot, like 2-0 and in conference play. That's, you know, who else, who else can say that? That's, that's the, that you, you know, you put yourself in the driver's seat. That's exactly where you want to be. So, and I think there was another interesting comment about, you know, uh, Coach Coach Ludwig and maybe figuring this team out. I think that's very insightful. Maybe that's the truth that now Coach Ludwig is figuring this team out. I and and you said it. I said it. We're going to say it a thousand times tonight. Don't discount what happened up front. Whatever, whatever you know, the, the offensive line ate and drank before the game. That's got to be a weekly thing because they were they they had everything right, <laughs> almost everything right tonight. And so it starts there. But, but, you know, Coach Ludwig probably had different expectations of this team heading into the season. And sometimes what shows in practice doesn't show on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday evening. So he's taken, he's taken his time, and he's maybe figured out this team and, and what they're capable of at this point. Man, that, that's a positive sign. The offensive line coming together was a positive sign. Cam rising, some of the throws we saw him make, positive sign. Tavian Thomas getting it in gear and turning into a beast, that's a positive sign. Watching defensive ends get multiple sacks, positive sign. Watching a really nice interception by Davis, a lot of positive signs here. Mm -hmm. and, and, and a lot of things to be positive about. Let's jump back out to the phone lines again, 855-340-9663. Love your comments love your questions and i love your memories of frank dolce if you've got more memories hey of the copper bowl <laughs> Hans, we, we, let's not start the memory game because i'll have people calling about some hands wrestling tournaments oh, no, and no, 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 no. <laughs> no let's keep it all frank dolce memories out there is what we'd appreciate uh, fr frank is the highlight of this show so any Frank Dolce memories are, are definitely welcome. Tyler, you're up next on the Utah Post Game Show. Go ahead, Tyler. Well, this is a, a very um, 
emotional game. I, I really, really, am I going to, I'm sorry if I cry, it's very embarrassing, but I really sure that they were inspired from Aaron and Ty. Um, I'm a season tickle holder. I go on their bicycles, and every time we scream and laugh for Ty, I should do Aaron for next week. It's just, just it was like a movie, you know, like it, remember the Titans kind of movie, but I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. I'm an emotional guy, but I, I truly, they were inspired. And when Aaron's mom came, and said, go dominant, season not over. So. Tyler, great comments, bud, and I, and I appreciate it. I, I can certainly understand the emotion. Thanks for making the call. Um, Frank, you can you can hear the emotion there in Tyler's voice, and, and I think that uh, that sentiment is probably echoed through, you know, a lot of the Utah Utes community. Uh, how do you, you know, you look at how Utah and Utah fans are responding to this. How, how do you think their, where do you think their emotions are right now? Yeah, I think they're. I think they're probably like sky high. Yeah. I th- I think they're probably like. You know, I don't even want to imagine what the what the emotions would be like if they didn't if if they didn't perform this way tonight. So who knows? Who who am I to say that there wasn't some some divine intervention in this one? I mean, that th- this is a football team that was that that was reeling and on the ropes and dealing with situations that we you, no one should ever have to deal with and 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 so this like you said coach Whittingham needed this like this this is a football team that kind of needed this and I yeah I just have to believe that that locker room is you know it's jubilant and reflective and you know thoughts are with Aaron Lowe and with his family and and you know oh man I would I would love to be a part of that that locker room I just can't imagine that experience just has to be that that this game that exp- the, the experience they're going through right now that's that's going to live with these guys for, for the rest of their lives 855-340-9663 that opens up a phone line that's 855-340-9663 to jump on the Utah Post game show and to Tyler out there who called in you know Tyler your emotion and the way you react to this team that's really what these sports are all about man it's it's a draw to to get to your emotions and that's why we watch sports we tune in for these kinds of big moments and these types of big games and watching a team respond to so much tragedy and and those are the types of moments that really do inspire a fan base and you know, maybe it helps you be a little bit better in whatever you're doing in your life. Maybe it helps you put into perspective what's important. And I, I think that that's one thing we can really take from sports. I think it impacts us deeply like that. And so it, definitely understand your emotions and, and the emotions of so many Utah fans. Appreciate the call. 855-340-9663 to jump on the postgame show. Uh, Frank, I wanted to ask you, a little bit about what we saw from from Utah's defense. We've talked a lot about their offense, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about their defense. Keaton Slovis was 33 of 53 for 401 yards. And remember, I made a pre-game um, 
I made a pregame prediction that if USC was going to win this game, they needed to be in that 450 to 480 mark. They needed to have high yardage. And Utah proved me wrong. They've got high yardage, but only 26 points on the board. What did you see from Utah's defense that uh, interested you or, or made you feel like Utah had it dialed in on the defensive side of the ball against USC? The, initially, the, the terrific pressure on Slovis, they made him uncomfortable early in that football game. Uh, they were fanatical in pursuit of the football once it crossed the line of scrimmage. Gang tackling, you know, lots of white jerseys around the football. And even though Drake London had a terrific game, I mean, he had a terrific game, 16 catches. Yeah, he did. 162 yards in that one amazing touchdown uh, where he was Edwin Moses and did his leap over the Utah defender into the end zone. Yeah. You know, you know, they, you know, they, Phillips, the third, he kept London in front of him. I think that was an interesting part of the game plan. It's like, okay, you know, London's going to get his catches, but. But we can't let him get behind us. He can't. Be, he can't break us and get behind us. And he had very, very limited opportunities to do that. So the way that they played London, and he was manned up with with Phillips third several times. I mean, it wasn't like he. They were doubling him every time. So I just you know the the game plan, uh, the defensive pressure up front. The pursuit of the football. They were ball hawks on the defensive side. The energy, the enthusiasm. It was all really, really fun to watch. I, I really felt like the only time Utah got themselves into trouble on the defensive side is when, with a four-man rush, they just couldn't get to Slovis. We talked about that. He's a good quarterback in the pocket when he has time to throw. And there were several times in the second half when he had time to throw, but but, you know, it just felt like whenever Utah needed to make a play, um, they, they figured out how to make a play on the defensive side. So we'll get hands back on the show with us momentarily. He Connection dropped. I think a little weather up in Idaho. Yeah, perhaps. something like that. So we'll work on getting him. <laughs> yeah. but. Yes. But maybe, you know what, maybe this is a, maybe this is a good time to take a break. Uh, and then we'll, we'll try and reconnect hands. And we'll continue talking about this fantastic Utah victory down at the Coliseum. First time since 1916, 105 years. The Utes come out on top, 42 to 26. Stay with us. We're going to get hands right back. You're listening to the Ute Post Game Show right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back. It is your Utah Post Game Show. Hans Olsen, Frank Dolce here to help it, help you break it down. Uh, Get a good look into what this Utah team did tonight, getting a win over USC, doing it in dominant fashion, 42 to 26. 
And doing all across the board, all over the field, everybody was taking care of business. It was just a, a what I would look at as a, a bit of a coming out party for this Utah team against you know a USC team that's been all over the board. I, I don't know what to think of them. I don't know what to expect of them. Uh, USC had a very good win last weekend against Colorado. Uh, they had a very ugly loss the weekend before that against Oregon State. They're just all over the board. Uh, Frank, when you watch this USC team against Utah, how good do you believe this USC team is? Well, there's talent all over that field. So, I mean, th- this is a team like I-, I would put them in kind of the same category as Utah prior to this game. Is like this once they figure out how to get it all moving in the right direction, then they're they're, they're going to be a very difficult team to beat. I mean, just just look at that wide receiver group. Look at the look at the group of running backs they have. Uh, they made some mistakes tonight. No question about it. There's nine penalties in that game. They had 95 yards in penalties. They did let go of the ball one time, the interception. Uh, so Utah wins the, wins the turnover margin. But, you know, they, they, th- they threw the ball for 400 yards. They had 493 yards of offense. Malapai couldn't even find his way on the field into the, until the fourth quarter, which I, th- I thought maybe he was hurt. Like, he didn't play. And and so yeah. when I look at the talent makeup of this USC football team, there's no reason this team shouldn't be winning. It's just a team like a team that's in disarray. Like this is a team that hasn't figured out how to win. What is the formula to win for this team? And so prior to the game tonight, that's what I kept saying is like I'm optimistic about Utah's chances even though Utah was struggling a little bit, because USC is a team that hasn't figured it out. They've lost twice at home. I mean, now three times at home. It just it doesn't happen. So I, I think this there, there's reason for optimism with USC because they're so talented, but they, I don't know that they took a step forward tonight. I mean, I don't know what the, you know if there's gonna, if they're going to be able to glean a lot of positives other than, they did move the ball for almost 500 yards of offense, but now for th- for three weeks in the Coliseum, they've given up at least 42 points to the opponent. Well, in classic Pac-12 fashion, <laughs> right. Frank, Oregon State found a way. Oh my God! Can you Washington believe State. that? Washington State's not a good football. The worst team, team in the Pac-12. Oh, my God. And, Oregon and, State had reeled off four wins, right. including uh, two against USC and Washington. Right. And everybody started to feel like Oregon State was a decent team, and then they lose to the worst team in the Pac-12 Oh, tonight. my gosh. I jumped but fully on the that, Oregon State train. I was there. I said they I, were going to beat Washington State too. by two touchdowns. <laughs> I was, too. And such a Pac-12 move. Losing to Washington State. So... Still, I think that they're a dangerous team. So you've got Arizona State coming up next weekend, followed by Oregon State. Utah fans get to see the number 22. They'll probably move up two spots. I'll bet that'd be number 20 in next week's rankings. They get to see the number 20 Arizona State Sun Devils in Rice-Eccles Stadium next week. You know, just talking about this Utah team moving forward, do you believe Utah can keep that momentum as they move into this Arizona State well, I do. I believe that that Utah has 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 figured something out tonight. But, but, but this. Uh, I mean, 
Arizona State, uh, they, they present a whole new set of challenges. Like this Arizona State team is is also very talented and uh, lots of playmakers. They've found a running game. And they have an X factor. This is the thing that makes me nervous about Utah versus ASU, is that uh, Slovis was n- never really a threat to break the pocket, uh, to break the line of scrimmage and pick up 15 yards with his with his feet, um, or to figure out a way to pick up 15 yards, 10 yards, or a first down with his feet. That's not who he is. But Jaden Daniels is, and he throws the ball well. And he has weapons to, to maneuver downfield. So the X factor makes me nervous. Will, will Utah be able to play in the defensive secondary the way they did tonight, play the pressure game at the line of scrimmage the way they did tonight, and keep contain of a very athletic quarterback? That's the big question mark for me. Yeah, very athletic. It's going to be a different challenge defensively, but you know, watching this defense step out there and do so many things well, Mika Tafua is starting to look more like the Mika Tafua we needed to see from that Utah defensive edge. We saw Xavier Carlson get involved in a couple of big plays. It was nice to see him get involved. Nephi Sewell went down in the first quarter with an injury, and it didn't look good. Frank, when Mm-mm. Nephi Sewell went down, did you expect him to come back Mm-mm. in this game? Mm-mm. No way. I, it did not look good. I was I, I was not I optimistic. Either. But I mean, the guy's like a. He's uh, like and then a, he comes back in the second quarter right. of this game. Yeah, yeah. He comes back, and it was it was really impressive to see him come back and do what he does. Um, so, you know, I look at what this team did defensively against USC. And in my mind, I can't see why they can't transfer what they did defensively over to Arizona State. I know that I know that Sione Pua and Lewis Powell and Morgan Scali and Colton Swan are very versed and trained in the art of keeping quarterbacks in the pocket. I, I know that they've got game plans that are set up for keeping quarterbacks in the pocket. You know they're going to institute something like that against Arizona State. They'll have something ready for that. And then I expect them on the back end to have that same type of performance, to play some really nice man on the back end and keep Arizona State in front of them. So I feel good about saying this Utah defense should be able to do what they've largely done throughout the season, which is which is keep, defense, keep offenses in front of them and keep – scores fairly low you know we talked about usc's offensive output they got a lot of yards but only 26 points Mm -hmm. it was impressive some of those red zone stands were impressive right well i'll just i'll tell you the the two teams that bother me the most on utah's remaining schedule are maybe not the two teams that most people would think but it's arizona state and it's ucla those are the two teams that bother me the most on this schedule. I think Utah's a good matchup with Oregon State. They're always a good matchup with Stanford. I don't think Oregon, uh, who comes second to last on the schedule, is getting great quarterback play. He's uh, a pretty highly touted quarterback, but I don't think he's, he's either getting great quarterback play. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a change made up there. 
uh, and then of course Arizona and Colorado. So d- two beatable teams. So Arizona State this next next week, two weeks from then on the thirtieth UCLA. Those are the two teams I look at and just think th- this is a, these are games when Utah defensively has to have it completely dialed in. Well, um, <laughs> so I'm watching this UCLA-Arizona game. UCLA is up by one point. It's 14-13 in the third quarter. I could see UCLA losing to Arizona, of course, which of course. then would make you think, well, maybe the most dangerous game on Utah's schedule is Arizona <laughs> because it is the Pac-12. and <laughs> Or Colorado. Don't, don't leave Colorado out of the mix. <laughs> <laughs> the spoiler. Uh, you know what's crazy? And Frank, I'm not even kidding. You could truly see something like that where Utah just goes on this crazy run and then it's some blip on the radar like Colorado or Arizona. Right. But they take yeah. care of UCLA and Oregon State and Stanford. And then you just can't lose focus in this conference. It is so crazy to watch Oregon State lose to Washington State, the worst team in the Pac-12. And Oregon State, who's on a heater, goes and loses to Oregon State, to to Washington State. It just, it's so irritating. The Pac-12 just does so many things to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, Kyle Whittingham addressed the media after this game went final. Utah getting the win 42-26 to in an emotional night in the Coliseum. Here's what Kyle Whittingham had to say about it. Uh, Extremely proud of our football team. Um, players play with a great competitive spirit tonight. Uh, passion, energy, uh, you name it, we had it. Great job by our assistant coaches uh, with the game planning and getting things set. But again, the players are the ones that execute it and deserve all the credit. Um, it's been a long time since we won here. A long time. And it's over 100 years. And so it's, uh, it's a great feeling to come out of here with a win. Um, puts us uh, in good position in the conference still. You know, we're just barely getting started, but we're still in, in good shape right now. Uh, I thought we were very balanced tonight. That was probably one of the biggest keys to the win, is being able to run the football and throw it effectively. We had uh, over 300 yards passing and uh, about 180 rushing, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. And so it was a uh, very balanced attack. Defense gave up a few too many yards in the throw game. They had over 400 yards. They got some terrific receivers, uh, terrific, terrific quarterback. So they're going to get their yards, but uh, too much. I mean, we we uh, got to play better, better pass defense than that. Special teams was solid. Uh, no field goal attempts. Uh, we had Jordan Noyes uh, kicking tonight. He won the job over the break. And so he'll be our kicker going forward uh, for now. Um, Cam had an outstanding night. I think he was close to 80% completion percentage and uh, 11 yard, nearly 11 yards per attempt, which is an outstanding number. And so quarterback play was great. Offensive line played much better. They played what we uh, expect them to play. That, they're a good group, and they played uh, up to their potential tonight. And it was great to see that happen. Probably could have got a little more pressure on the quarterback. You know, when you drop back and throw it as many times as they did, we got to be a little more disruptive in our pass rush. We got stuck at the line of scrimmage too often. But, but overall, uh, a very nice win. And again, credit to our players for their preparation, overcoming adversity. Um, you know, we've had a lot on our plate, obviously, the last uh, couple of weeks. And uh, we still have a funeral that we uh, may be attending on Monday over in Texas. And 
proud of the guys. That's the bottom line. So proud of them and uh, how they hung in there and just uh, played with such passion and, and such inspired football. So questions? Kyle, when did you know your guys were emotionally ready? Was it today? Well, during the last couple of weeks or when? I had, a, I had a feeling, you know, through the week of practice this week. Last week we had a bye. We had some practices. It was very low-key, and, and you could tell that uh, we were – struggling but when they got back on the field this week and after hearing uh, you know Aaron Lowe's mom came and talked to the team last week and and uh, said hey you guys got to carry on you got you got work to do you got a season to play and so this week's practices were very good I uh, had an inclination going into the game that uh, they play well and they exceeded even what I was expecting thanks for, thanks for coming Terrell. See you. good luck thank you good luck yeah, we uh, we uh, we're gonna get the first and then clock it, and maybe try to get a field goal on the next play. There was like 15 seconds left, so he lined up, and uh, we noticed he was in the wrong formation for what we called, and uh, then they called the timeout, and uh, I said, "What well, you know? What's going on? What what was the?" Uh, Miscommunication. What was there? He said, "Well, he caught the flea flicker." I said, "Great call. Let's, let's go with it." I talked to Andy about it. And said, "How do you feel?" And, he, and Andy said, "Let's go with it. Go with it." So uh, and that was a huge momentum play. Getting that momentum coming in at halftime was gigantic. And uh, wish we could take credit for that play, but it's Cam Rising uh, misreading the the uh, wristband and then us finding out about it and then sticking with it because uh, it was uh, seemed like the right thing to do. He is an alpha dog. He's, he's a leader in every sense of the word. He does command the room. He's, he's, the, he's the leader of the offense. Uh, between him and Britt Covey, those are our two captains elected uh, on offense by, by their peers. And he is exactly what you want in the quarterback when you talk about the it factor and uh, the field general that you that you want leading your troops. Coach, I asked how how fun it is. five yards at a time. You need some chunk plays. And typically your chunk plays come on, uh, through the air. And so that uh, was great to see tonight. And our tight ends are so talented. They're, they're, you know, we've got three tight ends that uh, really create mismatches for the offense. And then Devon Bailey, I thought Devon played really well tonight. Uh, Theo Howard had a nice catch on the deep ball. Cubby contributed. Uh, so there was a lot of good money parks, touchdown reception. So it was very rewarding and very needed. We need to do that going forward. You know, we've got to be able to throw the ball with uh, a certain amount of proficiency. And, and uh, tonight was exactly what we need to have happen. Kyle, you, you guys uh, elected to go with Tavion Thomas in that second half. What, what kind of led to that choice? Well, Tavion's a talent. We all know that. He's uh, had a little bit of a struggle with ball security earlier in the season. He's worked hard on it worked, uh, throughout the bye week and this past practice week. Extensively uh, put him in there. His ball security was great. It seemed to be loose with the football, so we kept feeding it to him and uh, ended up with over 100 yards. We want to hopefully, hopefully he's got some traction now and we can, uh, you know, he can pick up where he left off uh, next week. Kyle, uh, have you guys found the ocean of traveling to Texas on Monday and then having to come back and prepare for Yeah, another challenge, you know, going to the funeral, but uh, we're not going to miss.
this time. We just know, you know, we're, we're, uh, it's something that uh, we will do, and we'll, we'll handle it. We, we have to. So we'll handle it. You're, you're coming off the game where you have a ton of mistakes, and then you have a bye week, and you have a tragedy. How, how, how are you able to improve that now relatively, you know, clean that? Ton, ton of credit to the players, the upper class, and the leadership of the football team. Did a great job. Um, sure that uh, you know, they, they set the bar and, and the expectations and, and uh, we had a lot of communication on the team and uh, you know, the players have, all, have had a lot of input on how we've handled the past couple of weeks and uh, credit to them, I think they've handled as good as it possibly could have been. Coach, I know you gave up a lot of passing yards, yeah. uh, but, but Drake London is, is a really supremely talented player and it seemed like Clark Phillips kind of embraced the challenge of going up one on one against them. soft in the secondary. We gave up a few too many yards, uh, you know, a, lot, a lot too many yards, but, but we seemed to keep things in front of us. You know, it wasn't uh, you know, a ton of big plays. It was just, you know, chunk plays up the field, but nothing that was over the top of us, uh, maybe one or two times. But, but uh, you know, Clark's a, just a, still a, a true freshman. And that Drake London kid, I think, is maybe the best receiver in the country, so it was a big challenge. And uh, Clark drew that coverage most of the night with no help. You know, Special, other than say, you know, Clark match up with him, and, and uh, Drake still had a heck of a game. But uh, you know, it's it's uh, we did enough other good things to uh, counteract. So to kind of piggyback on that, London didn't have a really big second half. He, he had he had a lot of yards in that first half. Uh, block catches. What were some of the adjustments you guys made to limit him in that second half? Well, nothing schematically that was earth shattering. I mean, we just uh, told the safeties to shoot a little bit more and lean. In certain situations, but you're right. I think he was 11 for about 110 in the first half, and then uh, six or seven catches for 60 yards in the second half. So we did do a better job in the second half. I think our offense uh, did a better job. I haven't looked at the time of possession, but I think we possessed the ball a little more in the second half of our offense, which gave him less opportunities. No question they needed it. Everybody needed it. Kyle Whittingham needed it. You can hear it in his voice. Man, just a much lighter feel coming from Kyle Whittingham, watching his team go out there, play so well, and get the win over USC. So, Frank, there were a lot of different sound bites right there from Kyle Whittingham, but the one that really caught my ear kind of break down to me what he said happened at the end of the first half of that game. Well, you know, I I thought that was just um, an amazing and gutsy play call. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's absolutely. Hey, let's let's uh, let's get let's go score. You know, typical Utah football is we're going to run the ball, we're going to set ourselves up for a field goal going into halftime, 
and and all of a sudden, you know, Utah executes perfectly the flea flicker. <laughs> like I was shocked. I was, you know, out of my seat. Like what in the world? Who is this? What team is this? Well, the amazing thing about that is what we just heard how that whole thing <laughs> developed. How coach Winningham described it. So they call a play and I think it probably was something like a running play. Well, Utah lines up in in the wrong formation. And the coaches on the sideline are, are kind of saying, what the heck is going on? That We're lined up in the wrong formation. Well, USC happens to call timeout. Like, I think USC wasn't expecting that. So <laughs> USC calls timeout. Cam Rising comes over to the sideline. Whittingham says, Cam, why are we in that formation? <laughs> Cam says, well, I called the flea flicker. <laughs> Whittingham says, "Why well, else would we be in this formation?" <laughs> right. Whittingham says, "Great call, <laughs> Andy. What do you think?" Andy says, "Yeah, let's go with it." So, so they do. I mean, that's how one of the best plays in Utah football this this season unfolds. Is that it's kind of like a well, I read my wristband incorrectly and it worked out perfectly. <laughs> Did you ever, you know, when you're behind center and you're making the play calls and you're trying to deliver some stuff, did you ever change a play or did you ever call something that was kind of unexpected? I I always found myself in a scenario where I wanted to, like, I I was that guy that was always walking up to the line of scrimmage like, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to figure out the the very best play to run on this based on what the defense is doing. So I'm always walking up thinking, I'm changing this play. I don't care what we've got. I'm changing it, you know. I, and and I, I broke myself of that habit pretty early on, which was, which was nice. Um, so, but yeah, there were, there are certainly times when and uh, in, in certain points in your career when you, when you do walk up to the line of scrimmage and you do have a sense and a feeling of, wait, this will work. And you do that, and then if you you know you have some success, then it just it feels it feels pretty good. But yeah, there's there's always uh, there's always a time I think, and it depends on you know kind of the maturity and situation of the quarterback that you feel like yeah I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take a shot here. Trevor Allen was there in the Coliseum. He was able to pick up the sound. You heard it there from Kyle Whittingham. Now we have a chance to hear from some of the players. This is Cam Rising, Clark Phillips, Mika Tafua, and Tavian Thomas answering some questions and obviously sharing some of the emotion of their big win. Here's some of those guys. Guys, what is that? super special um, I feel like the guys played with a lot of passion you know with the recent events that, that took place and um, it was just good to get a victory man it, it was special to us and I'm just glad that we came out of here you know victorious Cam, you go through uh, the it was actually the wrong wristband uh, I just heard I heard one call and I called that because I was like, wow, this is, this is a great play to call. I didn't know that they were calling it. And then they called the timeout, and they wanted to stick with it right after they called it. So just that's, what, that's how we got to that. What was the call supposed to be? It was supposed to be a run, and I, I, won, I won with that. <laughs> <laughs> Glad he did. Davion, you obviously had a 
coming back from kind of some of the struggles early on. What's it mean to you to get the win, but also just to kind of get that experience going? Like Mika said, play it day by day. Um, 
use this to make us stronger as a team. I feel like that's what uh, got us this win, you know, today. We all, you know, we said in the beginning of the week when the things happen, it's either going to, you know, divide us or it's going to bring us closer together as a family. And we're choosing it. We're, we're, we're choosing to let this bring us closer. So that's, you know, the same, I feel like, uh, perspective that we're going to kind of take, you know, when we travel down to Texas and then we get back into the play of things. Good stuff right there from some of the players from the University of Utah. Some really good post-game sound, and that was just kind of a mix. And and sorry, it was a little bit mucky because uh, some of the noise in the background, but you could still pick out what some of these players were saying. And if you couldn't pick out what Cam Rising and Clark Phillips and Mika Tafu and Tavian Thomas were saying, at the very least, you could hear the laughs and you could hear the joy in their voice. And Frank, you've been in those postgame pressers. You've had bad moments. You've had good moments. But being able to hear some of that tone in their voice, that, that gives you some encouragement, doesn't it? Yeah, no no question about it. Like, uh, I, I think this was an, an enormous release for a bunch of these guys and for, for like you said, for Coach Whittingham. You could tell, uh, you could tell in his voice that a, a little bit of a weight may have been lifted tonight. So, and they, and, you know, and they still have a big, they still have a big event on Monday and that, you know, that's, that's going to tug at everybody's emotions. That's, that's difficult to, to go through that. So, so, you know, just I, I just think everybody has been on edge, um, has been uptight, uh, has been emotionally drained because of what they've gone through. Um, and and to, for, for all of that to kind of come together in and culminate tonight in in, you know, it's just a win on a in a football game. I, I understand that. But. But it's meaningful, and it's meaningful for lots of reasons. And you could hear it in the in the voice of the guys that, man, it just it felt like that. It just felt right for that to happen tonight. Hans Olson, Frank Dolce, it's your Utah Post Game Show, eight five five three four zero nine six six three. If you want to jump on the phone line, if you got some comments, maybe we can get to some of those. Uh, we want to jump out to Trevor Allen after the break. We'll get some of his thoughts from that presser some of his quick thoughts from that presser he was there getting the sound talking with the guys talking with Kyle Whittingham and we'll get his take on some of their expressions sometimes it's different when you're face to face and get a feel also for the way this team was reacting to their first win in the Coliseum in over a hundred years we've got that and more coming up in your Utah postgame show here on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network They need inches for a first down. 
Nice there. That's the shot I'm talking about. There it is. Over the middle. It's caught. Touchdown. Devon Valet. Welcome back. Utah Post Game Show. Hans Olsen, Frank Dolce. <laughs> Did he call him Devon Valet? Is that what he just called him? <laughs> Devon Valet. It sounds like a Seinfeld episode. You kidding me? Hey. Half the night he was calling Britton Covey Kobe. <laughs> Could you believe that? I mean, I'm listening hey. to this like this is a national broadcast. He's calling him Kobe, and that's Devon Valet. So a couple of times, Frank, I heard him go, and that's number 90. That's Mala. Uh, well, that's number 92 on. <laughs> He just quit. He's like, I, he I don't know. Just, he just gave I, up. It's number 92. If you need <laughs> go ahead and find your your roster and look up number 92. That's who was in on that tackle. <laughs> it's like, come <laughs> on, man. <laughs> hey, Alex, uh, can I hear that cut one more time? I want to hear the – I want to hear the – Eight inches there. for a first down. Nice there. That's the shot I'm talking about. There it is. Over the middle. It's caught. Touchdown. <laughs> Devon Valet. <laughs> Devon Valet. <laughs> that's good yeah, that, stuff. Yeah, that's that is, man. That's I'm telling you, I've done a couple of uh, national broadcasts. I know you've done a couple of big broadcasts, Frank, and all you do you 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 prep and prep and prep and then you see some dude checking off the bench and you're like who's that guy and you're oh. looking at your your play-by-play man like who's that guy and he's like i don't know you're looking at your spotter like who's that guy well that's so-and-so well how do you pronounce that name i don't know exactly and, and then you just the hope guy. he doesn't do anything good like you're just don't do anything good and I won't have to call your name. <laughs> it's it's always the guy, and he has, for some reason, he has the most difficult name. And it could just be like Bennett. It looks like Bennett on the sheet. But, nope, there's a silent N or a T. As you it's say Benet. it. Exactly. And you yep. jack the whole thing up. That's exactly how it goes. Yeah, I mean, you never, so, you know, never do math in public and, and never try and do a name on air that you just don't know. So last year I called the, let's see, I think it was – I think Ole Miss was in the Citrus Bowl, and I did the national call for the Citrus Bowl, and and Corral was the quarterback last year, and his name is spelled like Coral to me. Yeah, and so I kept thinking it's Coral, it's Coral, and then I I get to the I, I get to the the game, and I'm talking to um, the color or the play by play guy, and I'm like it's it's Coral. He's like no Corral. Well, I've already talked myself into Coral. Oh man, so good it, luck. And it, you, yeah, you got to be able to purge that and move on. Um, wanted to check in really quick at the stadium with Trevor Allen. He is our KSLSports.com Utah insider. And, Trevor, you were there for the interviews, and Frank and I just got done listening to Kyle and the players. And they seem jovial. They seem full of joy. Kind of just take us into the, the moment of the conversation with those players and coaches. I tell you what, guys, it was it was a complete 180 from when we, we talked to Kyle Whittingham on Monday in his press conference where a good chunk of it was spent talking about Aaron Lowe and the tragic passing. And I mean, you guys, you guys heard it, the, the, the sound in his voice, and you could just tell how drained he was and how, you know, how, how, you know, emotional it's been for him. And then for them to go in and, and, you know, play, play the way they did. I mean, I, and you know, it's, it, it's just really great to see because 
we all we all thought that you know coming in and you know fans have been saying this on Twitter and all that stuff that they don't really care what happens for this season now as long as the guys have fun now. It, it you know to where you're like trying to win championships and all that for for these players, they really don't you know they're, they're not really looking into that anymore. So really a lot of the expectations have gone lower. But just to see the smile on their faces for what they've really gone through was, was just really great to see. Even as you know a, a, a beat writer, someone who's who's covered this team and just 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 to see that was was really great to see. Um, just in listening to Cam Rising explain what happened at the end of that first half, Trevor, was he kind of grinning? Was he laughing? How was he talking about when that fl- how and when that flea flicker got called? I've never seen Cam Rising smile bigger than when he was telling <laughs> us that that he, he uh, mis- misread the the uh, wristband. And he didn't misread he, it. He knew. He just wanted yeah, to call did. that oh, play. Well, yeah. well, that and not only that, but like the the that that a fourth down call was really a run. They they were going to run the ball, and you know for that to turn into a flea flicker. I mean, guys, you you, got, you guys have watched this this team long enough. A lot of those uh, fourth down runs, when it's like fourth and one, it's just a draw play. Every team knows it's coming. Even the media knows it. And you know for them to change <laughs> it up, uh, it, it it really seemed like the Trojans didn't see it coming, and it turned into a, a great throw. Well, Trevor, what did you think of the Coliseum? What did you think of the fan response? It's, it seemed like Utah pretty much had them all shut down by the second quarter. Yeah, it ended up getting really, really quiet. Um, really, the only noise that was going on was uh, for a lot of the – and by the way, shout out to the U fans. They, they traveled well. Um, and and I, I can also answer the, the question I, I asked Frank during the uh, pregame. I know why Frank moved to Utah now because dealing with this L.A. traffic is not fun. <laughs> Um, it's gonna just, wherever you're headed tonight, Trevor. It's gonna take you four and a half hours. Just, get ready. For it. I know. I've already left the stadium, and, and I'm already like hitting traffic. I'm like, it's ten o'clock on a Saturday, man. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, just to, there, there was a lot of fans in there, and and you know, we we were able to go down onto the field for the last uh, about five minutes of the game, uh, and then and then go into this tent for, for the post game presser and. And just to you know see see the see the guys come off. They end up going over to the you know fans and, and you know do 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 the Utah man. And then uh, you know players players were walking by me and you know Clark Clark Phillips came up over to me and you know gave me a hug really quick just because you know he he he's my my guy and uh, doing doing a podcast with him and just seeing you know it, it kind of seemed like a big weight was lifted off their shoulders and knowing that you know. Of what they of what they end up going through, and to just be able to go out get a win in a place that that they've never got a win in 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 that building, um, I, I mean it, it's truly one of the one of those great moments that I, I think a lot of the a lot of the players are going to look back on for years to come and say you know we were able to overcome a lot of adversity um, leading up to this game and was in and we were able to get a win against I mean a quality team I mean. How, how good are are the the Trojans? I mean, really, do we know anything about the Pac-12 guys? No, not a thing, man. No. no. Not, well, we not n- we now know that Oregon State maybe isn't as good because they lost to Washington State. <laughs> oh my State. gosh! I was so on the Oregon tra- State train too. Yeah, I was were, all Frank. aboard. All, all <laughs> I aboard. I was too, man. I'm like, hey, oh, and I then, think we might have a team. And then, at least you see, at least UCLA's pulling away from Arizona because for a minute they were. Pretty much knotted up, but now they're they're pulling away a little bit. Well, you know, as they say in Oregon State now, the dam burst. 
the dam. <laughs> you, do you guys get it? I mean, the beaver dam. Do, do you get it? Yeah, you really put yeah. us in the teeth of that joke. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Trevor, drive oh, safe, man. man. Thanks for your coverage Trevor, out there. And it was we'll fantastic to soon. catch up with you. Nice work, buddy. Frank, it, uh, you know, it's always good to talk to you guys. You guys are my, two, two of my favorite people. I'm really excited about this partnership and, and many more conversations to talk about ball, both on, on Crimson Corner and uh, 12A to the Zone and uh, obviously over at, at, at kslsports.com. It's always a joy, guys. Sounds good, man. Thanks again, Trevor. There you go, Trevor Allen. He is our Utah insider at kslsports.com. And I know you're hearing that and you're like, wait a second, why – is the zone talking about kslsports.com. Well, if you've missed the last week of sports radio, we are now in full partnership with Bonneville and kslsports.com, and we could not be more excited about it. So many resources to have Trevor out there at the game and have so many insiders and so much great broadcast that we can all take part in. It's been a lot of fun. Um, Frank, we've got just a couple callers. We'll jump out, take a few of these callers, and uh, hop through them a little bit quick and hear from some Utah fans that were excited about this win. Mark, you've been hanging a long time. Mark, give us some of your thoughts on this game, buddy. Hello, fellas. How are you? Hey, Mark. Good, Mark. Hey, I remember the Copper Bowl, too, but I was not five. <laughs> I was 19. Oh, so. Nice. Good. Oh, man. Good. A little older to remember. I was a little older. How was, yeah. Hey, how did Frank yeah. play, Mark? Well, let, let's ask you a really let's, let's really ask you an important question. How, how was my head of hair back then? I mean, that was I had glowing oh, yeah, luscious hair. Yeah, luscious. Right. Thank you. Yes, well described. Excellent. You know, I've been a Utah man for almost forty years, so you know, I kind of had the luscious hair for you because I didn't have the hair. So I was like, I was jealous. So right. there you go, Frank. Thank you. So, Mark, what'd you think? But man? anyway. Um, well, I mean, you know, since I've been a 40 year old, 40 year fan of Utah and they've had some gutsy wins and, you know, some gutsy games, but tonight was, uh, it was really, it was really is the best one I've ever gutsy put, you know, come back from, you know what I mean? From a tragedy and all. Yeah. I'm always hard on Utah, you know, as their fan and high expectations and stuff like that. But tonight just kind of proved that, you know, I love the guts and I love how they played tonight. And, and thank God we finally got over the hundred years, over a hundred year, 105 year. (laughs) And, you you know, California losing the USC finally. So, you know, I I think it was really gutsy and and I loved it. Thanks guys. I appreciate it. Thanks Mark. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate the call. Let's jump back out the phone lines. Go to Jerome. Jerome, you're up next with Frank Dolce. Go ahead, man. Hey, what's up, Hans? What's up, Frank? How you guys doing? Hey, Jerome. Good, Jerome. Good to hear from you, bud. Thanks for hanging out hey, late. Hey, you too. <laughs> I just uh, just wanted to come on here and just, man, just, uh, just wanted to give it up to our guys for a phenomenal game um i think one of the things that stuck out to me was the play of our wide receivers um obviously we're always known for the ground and pound but i mean our receivers they almost seemed like it didn't drop a ball everything else you know what i mean like i don't know it it felt like that but it was just great to see these guys make these catches score it was way different wasn't it out there 
just it way was. different. It was way different. And yeah, when I when I when I was watching the game, I was like, man, this is the type of stuff that we need to have, you know, in order to attract some of these big time receivers to come to Utah and not be afraid. All oh, these guys only run the ball, you know, whatever. But besides that, um, I'm so happy for our team as a whole, the way they responded. I'm um, obviously with um, the death of CJ, Ty Jordan and Aaron Lowe. Um, it's definitely awesome to see them out there doing their thing, but most importantly playing with that Utah swagger that we know. And a big shout out to my nephew, Karenna Reed, true freshman oh, yeah. starting. Oh. Love that boy. Oh man, he you is know, I fantastic. Think, I, think hands, hands, I, think, I think you played with his dad, Spencer. <laughs> Wait, Karenny Reed is, is Spencer's Spencer Reed. his son? son? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's 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 Spencer's son. So I, I know that's your teammate, and and I married Spencer's baby sister. <laughs> Are oh, you kidding man. me? I had I didn't even know Karenny. I had no idea. I didn't draw the connection. Yeah, that yeah, is the most yeah, Utah connection I've ever heard. Right there on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because was supposed to go to Utah State. He turned that down after his mission because he wanted to come play Pac-12 ball, and he walked on at Utah. He still doesn't have a scholarship, but as you know, from walking well, on the spot on, I mean, my, my dude's balling. That's not going to last good, long. But. I mean, that dude is earning his keep. He yes. is fantastic. <laughs> he stepped in for, for Sewell a couple weeks ago and was fantastic. Like, I think we all had high expectations of him, and those expectations were exceeded. And even with Sewell back, Reed is has found his way on the field, so... That's telling you something. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, no awesome. It's, it's awesome to watch. But before I let you guys go, um, on a serious note, hands, Frank, and, and um, I want to get you guys some fried pies. So me and my wife and I have a fried pie business, Chifa's, and we'd love to get you guys some fried pies. I don't know how we could do it either on air while you guys are on air or if we could do it. Outside of work, we, we want to get you let, guys some pies. Let us get your contact information. Let us stay on the line, and, and Alex will get your contact information, okay? And listen, there's only the, my favorite. I love pie, but my favorite pie is fried pie. <laughs> fried pies are the best. We, we make the best here in Utah. You know what I'm so. saying? <laughs> uh, so, hey. We'll look at it for next uh, for next pregame. Frank and I try to always get our pregame grub on. So, yeah, stay on the line. Give uh, give your contact uh, over to Alex and Frank, and I'll be in touch. But Jerome, thanks for the call, man. Really do appreciate hey, it. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate you guys. All right, All right Jerome. There you go. So, um, Frank, I had no idea. Uh, you know, I've been watching Karini and just been admiring what he's doing. You didn't look at in the media guy where it said "son no. of." No. You know, it's like it, like in the Bible, son of. No, and I'm embarrassed because Spencer Reed and Gabe Reed are two of my all-time favorite teammates. Yeah, and yeah, uh, two of the greatest Those... men that I've ever met. Yeah, you know Spencer. Two, two of two, I, only in passing. So, oh. but but you know, terrific athletes, terrific represent representatives, and oh yeah, uh, and so. I should have mentioned that to you because I I did read that in the in the media guide and and uh, was familiar with that so just yeah, that's just funny that that came out I had no idea though that he was a teammate of yours yeah I am a loser I, yeah Spencer was a part of that '96 team that Cotton Bowl team he wasn't just a part of it he was a a main part of the defensive side of that ball and 
he and Shea Mirbrook were just fantastic. And I love that Karini, Karini plays like Spencer. That's oh, what he's I love. good, man. He is he is good. He is like he's young, but you can tell like he is he's really instinctual. He looks the part. Like he looks like athletically, the way he positions himself, the way he ru- moves around the field, he just lo- it just looks right. Yep. And and then I think, you know, the other the other stuff that he has to go along with it is, you know, the diligence and the work ethic and the attitude and all of that. That he has a that that's a guy with a bright future. Yeah, I agree. Utah's lucky to have him. All right, let's jump out. One more phone call. Michael, you are up next with Frank Dolce. Go ahead, man. Okay, so uh Copper Bowl checking back in. Um oh, looking yes. at some of these stats. Oh my gosh. I, yes. Michael, you're back. Two in a row. You're back? Two in a row. Yeah, two games in a row. You went five and seven and then five and nine, both for fifty yards each game. Was there like eighteen feet of snow? What's going on? That you know, that's a good question. I, I, I'm completely at a loss for words. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure of the appropriate response. Wait, wait a second, Frank. You had nine attempts in those two games. Listen, when we played in the leather helmet era with Ron McBride, three yards in a cloud of dust. I mean, that's how we did it. That's how we did it. You know, we did. We we played a game against uh, New Mexico. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, we kept running this this play twenty eight sweep, and we always ran it on 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 a like a no count first sound, no count, and for some reason it worked like against against uh, New Mexico we we ran it a couple times and it kept working so so Co- Coach Mac you know Coach Mac he was just like well if they're not going to stop it I'm gonna, I'm just going to keep running it by the time we hit the fourth quarter the offensive line we were like would you please call something else just call <laughs> call a different play just anything call call <laughs> please call a different play and Scott Murray the 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 uh, tight end you know he had to he had to he had to make a reach block to to allow the the back to get to the outside and he was he was gassed he was exhausted and we just kept calling, we just kept calling that play i think we ran the ball 50 times i mean so i didn't need to i didn't there was no need to throw it we just kept running that play and, and then we won that's all it takes man sometimes that's all it takes <laughs> Uh, Michael, thanks for the call and the great memories of the Copper Bowl. Don't we, we and always... Michael, don't call back. Thank you. <laughs> you, know, we, you call back anytime, man. We love talking Frank Dolce. Please, because Frank Dolce is our hero, and uh, we're happy to have him here on the Utah Post Game Show pregame as well. Frank, uh, give me give me some quick final thoughts on this. Let's wrap this up. Well, I I just uh, I'm proud. You know, I'm proud of this team. Proud of the way they responded. Uh, proud of the of the effort like that was a big thing for me coming into this game is what would the effort be like tonight and and I think the effort was supreme uh, and, and so to honor the memory of of their fallen guys then then that's that's the best that you can do what they what they did tonight like that to me is the best that they could do and and so in like there's going to be a sense of joy in a, in a team that hasn't had a sense of joy for for a little while and and maybe needed that, um, and outside of that, just in terms of football stuff, it feels like this Utah team turned a corner tonight. Uh, they figured out 
all of the intangibles, what it takes to win, and uh, a team that I came into this this week uh, not completely optimistic about the future of the season, optimistic about tonight, but not the future of the season. I think my expectations uh, because of their performance tonight changed, and and I think that uh, we can we can you know Utah football if they can continue this type of effort and intensity, they they have a bright future this year. I agree, man. We'll have so much more breakdowns starting on Monday morning. We'll be carrying you right through. Scott and I will really get into this game. I've got to do some film review on it. Uh, I did send out some different tweets and videos. I, I would love to have you go look at them. Multiple angles and different looks at different blocking schemes. I want you to go look at the tight ends, the way they block tonight. I want you to go look at the pocket that Cam Rising was thrown out of. And you can see some of those videos at... 975 Hans. That's at 975 Hans on Twitter. And you can just click those videos and turn on your volume. And I give you a breakdown of what's going on in the blocking schemes. There was one beautiful play action that really pulled the defense in. It shows Cam Rising's ability to really draw that defense with the play action and that deep pull. So a lot of good stuff there. At 975 Hans, go look at those videos. I'll have more that uh, we'll have posted up shortly. And, of course, Scotty and I will be breaking this game down starting Monday at 10 o'clock. Thank you for joining us on this Utah postgame show. Thanks for listening. Um, Thanks for caring about this Utah team. And thank you for taking a little bit of time with Frank and I in the, the late evening. Thanks for all the callers. And thanks to Trevor Allen for joining us from the Coliseum. Alex back in the studio does a fantastic job and so many others that make this broadcast great. Frank, have a great night. Drive safe, and we will see you on Thursday, bud. Hans, you're the best. Always great working with you. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Not even close to the best. That best. That'd be Frank Dolce, and we do appreciate it. Love having him. Love the conversation and so much more. We'll see you Monday at 10 o'clock back here on The Zone. This has been your Utah Postgame Show.